Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, our minds. Speak in our thoughts. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We come thanking you, oh God, for a new day, new mercies. Oh God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh God, we were encouraged. We were strengthened. We feared not any evil, Lord, for thou art with us. You comforted us by your rod and by your staff. My God, in the name of Jesus, uh, continue to build us up in our most holy faith. Uh, teach us to pray in the Holy Spirit, my God. Uh, Father, send your anointing. Uh, remember those who pray at noontime. Uh, remember those who pray in the evening. Remember those who pray in the morning. Uh, but Lord, you said that we should always pray and not faint. Uh, Remember your people, Lord, who you would have in remembrance. Keep us in your will, O God. Keep us in your walk. Keep us in your word. My God, we give you thanks. Oh, remember my mother this morning, O God. Lord, we pray that you will continue to anoint her from the crown of her head. Head, uh, to the sole of her feet, my God. You see her heart, you see her desire to serve you in a very old age, my God. Uh, oh, to be an example to us. Uh, my God, we thank you. Remember my wife, oh God, strengthen her. Give her the strength to run this race with fear and trembling. Uh, encourage her heart. Oh, God, help her to see the fruits of her labor, my God. Remember all those who call upon you, the ministers, the elders, the deacons, the bishop, all the saints of God. In the name of Jesus, Father, move through us by your Spirit. Strengthen us in our minds. Strengthen us in our intellect. Strengthen us in our understanding. Give us physical strength also, my God. Oh, we thank you. Remember those who have stepped out of the way and become disobedient. My God, we pray that you would continue your mercies that endured forever towards them, my God. Father, help us, O oh God, to cling to you. Oh, you hold us in the palm of your hands. My God, my God, we thank you this morning. Oh, God, we continue to run. We aren't weary. We continue to walk. We're not about faint. My God, my God, stir us up. My God, remember the church in India, in Africa, in New Zealand, in Australia, oh, in Canada, in these United States, in Mexico, in Brazil, oh, in Argentina, my God, in all the nations, the continent of the world, your church, your people. Father, continue to strengthen your people, O oh God, and your church, which you bought with your own precious blood. Lord, make us one even as you are one. Open the understanding of the ignorant. Open the understanding of those, Lord, who have lost sight of what you have done and what you are doing. My God, give us that peace, that tranquility, yes, Lord, the peace that passeth all understanding. Uh, let it fill our hearts and our minds. My God, remove bitterness and anger and wrath and strife from us, O oh God, uh, but help us to know the joy of the Lord. Uh, that it is our strength. Help us to rejoice in tribulation. Father, we look to you. We give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. And a very good morning to you, you and you, Brother Brown, here this morning. And it's so good to 
be with you each and every day in this royal priesthood, this holy nation, this nation of kings and priests. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to be in your midst. Good morning to all the ministers of reconciliation, to all of us, the royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Good morning, good morning, good morning, a blessed good morning to you. Today is Wednesday, the 29th day of April 2020, and this is the Master of Arts New Testament Letters program, and we are studying the book of Romans. Our topic today, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Again, our topic, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The Bible tells us about the importance of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when we walk in faith, we have to believe that God is and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Those who walk after the flesh and mind the things of the flesh cannot please God because they have turned to what they can touch, feel, and handle and have rejected Him who is their life, their bread, their creator, he who made the heavens and the earth. Those that walk after the flesh cannot please God. So we must walk in the spirit and then we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In our introduction today, we see a council gathered at Jerusalem concerning Jesus. And in this council, they were having their deliberations saying in John eleven forty eight. If we leave him alone, if we leave Jesus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. A fear of the Romans caused the council at Jerusalem to make a sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ. You see, in Acts 14, verses 16 through 17, the word tells us that God, yes, God, when times pass, suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. There was a time when God had allowed men and women of the nations to walk in their own ways. But he had chosen Israel as a peculiar treasure unto himself, and he had outlined his statutes, his commandments, his requirements. But Israel themselves turned to the nations, turned to the Romans, and they sought to please men rather than please God. So they decided to make an example of Jesus Christ. After Jesus came and he spoke to Israel, after he taught them the ways of God, they gave him up, they crucified him, but he rose from the dead after three days. <coughs> now, he taught disciples and he commissioned them to go into the world. Paul and Silas are two of them that went. They went to a place called Philippi and they saw a young woman with a spirit of divination following them around for about three days. Then Paul turned and cast out that spirit of divination. Those who were our masters became upset because they had lost their source of income and they took Paul and Silas before the magistrates. Paul and Silas was beaten openly, uncondemned, and thrust into prison and then the magistrates sent to just take him out privately and let they go on their way. But Paul and Silas said not so. They should come and take them out themselves because they had beaten them as Romans uncondemned. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in his spirit that after he had passed through Macedonia, he would go to Jerusalem. Yes, Paul and his team wanted to go up to Jerusalem and when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, he expressed his thoughts saying, after I've been there, after I've been to Jerusalem, I must see Rome also. He had a desire to see Rome and he expressed it. The Lord had commissioned him that he should preach both as 
that Jerusalem and that room and the Lord was now about to send Paul on his journey. At Jerusalem he was taken prisoner, he was taken captive by the Jews. Lysias, the Roman centurion, came and he delivered Paul out of the hands of the Jews and took him to a castle where he was about to be scourged but he told the centurion that he was a Roman and the centurion fearing told the chief captain let's not do this because you know the rules and the regulations concerning the treatment of Roman citizens so it was not done Paul was then placed in a boat headed for Alexandria in the custody of Julius the centurion the ship encountered turbulent weather and boisterous seas so that the ship was almost torn apart and those on board were in fear of their lives and Paul was cheered up by the Lord the Lord telling him be of good cheer for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem so must thou be a witness also at Rome. So the Lord appeared unto him with words of encouragement, letting him know that he would testify of the Lord in Rome also. So he would not die on the way to Rome, but he would make it to Rome to testify of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul finally arrived in Rome, and after three days he sent and he called the chief of the Jews. He called them together, and expressed to them, rehearsed, how he had ended up there under those conditions. When they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So the Romans were always in the background as a force, a threat to impose an iron foot upon the people who stepped out of line because they were the superpower they were the dominant force they were the government of the earth and Paul was delivered from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans Israel at that time being a client state of Rome in writing this epistle to the Romans before he had gotten there Paul expressed the thought in Romans chapter 1 verse 15. He said, So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach a gospel to you that are at Rome also. He was prepared, he was ready to preach a gospel even to those in Rome, the seat of government and commerce, yes, culture and all those things. Rome being the dominant power and place at that time was the center of everything and Paul expressed his willingness and his ability and availability to preach a gospel to those that were at Rome also. Our text today comes from Romans chapter 8. The argument that Paul is making continues one regarding justification, sanctification, holiness, sin, the law, and such like. So Paul continues. Romans chapter 8. <coughs> Reads on this wise. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, who walk not after the flesh. One more time. Let me read that for you. It's kind of early again for me. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Yesterday we saw the contrast of the two laws, the law of sin and death, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And Paul was now expressing, outlining, putting to the church, the doctrine of the church, the apostles' doctrine, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We know what the works of the flesh are. I'm not going to name them. Those are the things that 
we do when we know not Christ, the behavior, the ways, the works of the flesh, but rather Paul encourages us to walk after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, when you walk after the Spirit, you produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So if you are walking after the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be manifested in your life. But there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, not trying to produce works to satisfy requirements written on stone, but those who through the life of the Spirit of Jesus Christ produce the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering that the Spirit of Christ produces. Why? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There are many that are still bound by instructions, requirements, statutes, and such like. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have given you liberty, made you free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So the law written on the tables of stone could point out your transgressions, it could point out where you went wrong. The law is spiritual, holy, and good in directing you. But you have to be directed to one who has a life. The law. The letter. The letter kill it, but the spirit give it life. And you are directed by the law to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in freedom, because the law could not produce in you that which was necessary for you to enter into life. For what the law could not do, in that it was we through the flesh. You can't do it by yourself. Try as you might, you might emphasize one area and you come in short in the next. And if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. Because what the law could not do, in that it was we through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil. So God, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, condemned what the law pointed out as our behaviors, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It is the spirit that give it life. It is the spirit that quicken it. So then, the righteousness of the law, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the goodness, the gentleness, the faith, the meekness, and temperance, so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Paul beseech a church in Ephesians, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I believe that is Romans 12, rather. But in Ephesians, he beseech us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. So we are encouraged and prodded to walk worthy <coughs> After the vocation where we are called, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not after the flesh, not trying to do things. People tell you, do this, do that, say this, say that. And then you, out of your own carnal mind, try to do the things that they say. But when you allow the Spirit 
to take a hold of your mind and you now have the mind of Christ, the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We are led by the spirit. Why? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Yes. They that are after the flesh, behaviors, attitudes, ways, are geared towards the things of the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. They turn themselves, they're geared towards spiritual things. Having a spiritual mindset. Letting the mind of Christ be in them, which was also, yes, in Christ Jesus. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, if your focus is upon how you look at your dress, look and your hair and your shoes and your toes and your nose, along with all the works of the flesh, you are carnally minded. You are minded and you are turned towards the things that are satisfying to the flesh, which is what Eve did in the Garden of Eden. When she saw that the tree was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and eat thereof. Because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When you seek the things of the Spirit in prayer, fasting, the Word of God, meditating, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Here is something that God established. He established the fact that the carnal mind would not be subject to the law of God. And it could not be because God made it so. So those who are of the flesh focus on the things, the acquisition of property and things like that carnally minded are at war with God. Why? Because God is spirit. God is spirit and the things of this world, the tangible things, the things that can, that can be touched, felt, and handled are but temporal. The things that are not seen are internal, but the things that are seen are temporal. So the temporal is in a wrestling match, a struggle with the eternal and the carnal mind is enmity against God because that carnal spirit wants to acquire it is a spirit of acquisition the carnal mind wants to acquire things it is enmity it is at odds against God why for God did not make it subject to the law of God he gave it a reign to explore imagine vain imaginations Vain explorations, seeking, walking, going to and fro, the carnal mind. Not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. <coughs> Excuse me. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those whose focus is on their outer man, its appearance, its form, its fashion. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But Paul quickly stated, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You, the living you, the you that is joined to Christ is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, but you are not in the flesh. You walk after the spirit. The flesh now becomes a tool, instruments, that you use to fulfill the task given to you. But you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell. That means come to and remain in you. You're not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So if you do not 
produce and demonstrate the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, and meekness, and the temperance, then it tells you you don't belong to Christ, but you are of the children of disobedience. If any man have not the demeanor, the attitude, the ways, the humility of Christ, is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. So we have to understand that the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of Jesus Christ, because of his righteousness. So that war going on, we mortify the deeds of the body through the spirit. So when Christ is in us, the body is dead. You slap a dead man, he's not going to slap you back. You slap a dead man again, he's not going to slap you back. He's dead, no spirit, nothing to quicken him. So if Christ be you, the body is dead because of sin, the wages of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But that living Christ, that living spirit, is no longer I. But Christ that liveth in me. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. If the spirit of him. That's the spirit of God. God is spirit. Raised up Jesus who is come in the flesh. Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Though we have known Jesus after the flesh. Henceforth know we him no more. After the flesh. If that spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, move, shake, animate your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. So if you have the spirit of Christ, your movements, your ways, your attitudes, and all the things that you do, are done through the Spirit of Christ. Paul continues by saying, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We owe. Therefore, debtors. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Our responsibility is not how we decorate our outer man to present it to the world. God beautifies the meek with salvation. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. The beauty industry is one of the biggest, the most profound industry in these United States. Why? People are not satisfied with their appearance, how they look, how they appear. So they dress, fashion, Pretend to be something that they are not. They are debtors to the flesh. They end up putting themselves in debt to present the flesh a certain way. Brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Why? For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. If your goal and your objective is to present your outer man as who you are, death is the end result. If he live after the flesh, he shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So if you, by the Spirit of God, kill the behaviors that are contrary to the words of God, that the body does, then you shall live. Because you have extricated, you've gotten rid of, you purge yourselves from the behaviors that bring death upon you. The Bible tells us for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we have to learn how to follow. And not just follow, but follow the Spirit of God as sons of God. Why? The Word tells us, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. One more time. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There were some slaves in the time of slavery that were always ready to go. They did not care what it cost them, but they had a mindset that they did not have the spirit of bondage. And they would not be bound. Many of them lost their lives. Some of them gained their freedom. 
We also have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There was a time when we were in bondage, but whom the Son set free is free indeed. God has set you and me free from the bondage in which we were held. You see, spirits and uh, fallen creatures, the offspring of fallen angel and humanity wants and wanted to have dominion over us. But Jesus Christ gave us power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us to shake and break off that shackle. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Be not the servants of men, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, you are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a minister after the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> a minister of reconciliation. So you don't need fear in him, man. We are all brethren. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Father. He's not that one's Father, and that one's Father, and then that one's uncle. No. God is our Father. You can't call him Father and want everybody else call him uncle. No, we are brethren. We have the same rights, the same privileges. So your bondage, your shackles, not welcome here. God hath adopted us into his family. So then, if we are children, then we are ears, ears of God, and joint ears with Christ. The Spirit itself, the Holy Spirit itself, bear it witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit witnesseth and bear it witness that we are the children of God. By the spirit that he gave us. And if children, then we are ears, ears of God. The rights, the privileges, the promises have been bequeathed to us. He set us down as beneficiaries of all the things that he has. And we are joined here with Christ. If so be, listen to this now, if so be that we suffer with him. A lot of people want to avoid, bypass the sufferings of Christ and still claim the inheritance and the promises and the things of Christ, but they don't want to suffer with him. They want to bypass that aspect of the relationship. They don't want to labor with the Lord, but they want the wages of the Lord. If we are children, then we are ears. Years of God and joint years with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Then Paul pointed out, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What we're going through is no way comparable or equates to what we will become and receive. Why? For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The mindset, the desire of the creature and the creatures is in waiting for the manifestation, our manifestation. Why? For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. <coughs> Earth and all its life forms were brought into the bondage and suffering by mankind. And the Sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be, be revealed in us. And the creatures, the dogs and the cats and the cows and all the other creatures, the birds and the bees and the fishes, they wait. They are waiting on our manifestation as sons of God. For the creature was made subject to the vain behaviors of mankind, not willingly. They did not agree to go along with us on the journey that our forefathers took. But by reason of him 
who had subjected the same in hope. But they took the journey because Adam had dominion over them. But the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So when we move in our rightful places, then creation will come along with us also. Why? For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Cats and dogs and all our pets and the rest of creation is groaning and travailing in the pain that we have brought upon ourselves. The whole creation groaneth, waiting to bring forth, travailing in pain until now. And not only they. But ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to know, to wit, the redemption of the body. So we who have the first fruits, yes, the first fruits of the Spirit, have begun to groan because we had a foretaste of the glory divine. Not just the creatures seeking for this deliverance, but we, the children of God, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for that coming redemption. Yes, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man doeth see, why doeth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? I want to pause here to say a word to those who are on the front line of this war in this current situation. Hope. We are looking for a blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. If in this life only you have opened Christ, you have all men most miserable. And I know you have a difficult task and it is abnormal what you are experiencing where you are encountering so much death. But I plead with you, I beseech you, look up. Look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't take your life. Don't give up. But endure, for we are saved by hope. You have, been, you have been given a task, a responsibility to see the result of what the behavior of mankind produces. But you don't become a statistic in that war by your own hand. We are saved by hope. You must always, it's going to be better tomorrow. It's going to be better later. It's always going to be better. We are saved by hope. It is going to be better. Oh, I had a bad day today. Tomorrow is going to be better. It's going to be better tomorrow. Weeping may endure for a night, but your joy is coming in the morning. You are our heroes. We don't want to lose our heroes. Endure. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't quit. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. What you're looking for. That point when things turn the corner. If you see, that's not hope. For what a man see it, why doeth he yet hope for it? If you can see the corner, why, why, why are you going to hope? But if we hope for that we see not. I ask you today. Hope for that which you do not see, and then with patience wait for it. Continue to wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Endure, my beloved. You are my hero. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Yes. We're not able to do all we want to do, but pray. Let the Spirit help your infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. When we go down to pray, we don't even know what we should say to the Lord, what we should ask Him. We ask Him for the things that we feel are beneficial and pleasing. But we don't know what we should pray for. So the Spirit help at our infirmities. 
For we know not what we should pray for as we should. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We cannot articulate the necessities of prayer. So we groan sometimes. Things that cannot be articulated, said, uttered. And he that search at the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit of God knoweth the heart of men. He knows the minds of men, the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, sometimes we pray and it's not according to God's will, but the Spirit makes that intercession to align our desires, our imaginations with the will of God to the Spirit. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, all things are of God. Even this pandemic, it is of God. Our leaders, they are of God. God put in place the things that will bring the outcome, the results that he desires. As thou considered my servant Job, there's none like him in the earth. But God was not, okay, I'm going to sit back with the fact that there's none like Job in the earth, a perfect and an upright man. That was not God's will, God's mind. But he said to the adversary, he said to the devil, as thou considered my servant Job. So God was willing to offer up Job for consideration. Let the adversary now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might know by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And there are things that the Lord wants the principalities and powers to know that is only going to be put forward through the church, through humanity, through mankind. He that search at the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So your calling, your election according to the purpose of God and the will of God is the result and the outcome that God desires. For whom he did foreknow, whom before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. One more time. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. So he knew him before. He ordered his steps before so that he should be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I have emphasized and stated numerous times that we are brethren, ears and joint ears with Christ. It's about brethren, not the dominance that some and Satan see over the rest, but Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So God stated, implemented, purpose, the doings, the activities that he unsealed in revelation that we might see that which should be hereafter. He purposed it for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he called them, whom he called, he justified them, not justified by the law, but through the spirit of Jesus Christ. And whom he justified them, he also glorified what shall we then say to these things? What arguments can we put forward? 
If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, and God is for us, who can be against us? But now he tells us, he that spared not his own son. There are those who, through ignorance, will try to say they're going to escape the trials and the great tribulation and such like. But God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How? How? Shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him, and we shall receive all things with him. Now, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? What's wrong with you? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get yourself blacklisted in trouble with God? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justify it. Not the doings of the law, not the keeping of the law, but the justification is of God. Why are you going to allow your ignorance to embarrass you, to make you ashamed before God and the only angels? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies it. Who is he that condemns it? Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. So why are you walking in a ministry of condemnation? Why are you walking in a ministry of shame and disgrace with dirt on your hands? He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You walking in a ministry of condemnation while God is the God of justification. So you are not in God. God is not in you. So you are condemned. Who is he that condemneth? You condemn your own self out of your own mouth. It is Christ that died, yea rather, that is risen again for he is even at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. As Paul concludes this chapter, he asks, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Your persecution, your venom, bitterness, wrath, anger, and strife shall not separate us from the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, great tribulation, no! Or distress? No. Or persecution? No. Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation won't do it. Distress won't do it. Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword won't do it. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So the true saints of God, the true saints of Jesus Christ, it is written, for the sake of Jesus, are killed all the day long, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And then he tells us, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors in tribulation. We are more than conquerors in distress. We are more than conquerors in persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. But as it is written, as it's prophesied, as it's predestinated, for the sake of Jesus Christ, we are killed all the day long, accounted as sheep for the slaughter, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, not the dying we see around us, not the loss of life, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, yes, nor angels, nor angels, angels are in there too and i'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus god bless you we are ministers of reconciliation god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself and I committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation. You have no need that I stand in between you and God. Christ Jesus is our mediator. 
you can go to the Lord for yourself. You may boldly approach the throne of grace for yourself. So I'm going to step away from here so that you can talk to the Lord for yourself. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen, amen, amen. Come on home, beloveds. Come on home, won't you? Won't you please? Please come home.